Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions, comments, or concerns. But baby, I will tell you what you really need to be doing is water, water, water. We've had three weeks without rainfall. Mm. Normally we have about an inch per week and things are looking pretty dry. So get out there and water. And while you're doing that, be sure you're listening to the KMOX Garden Hotline. And Mr. Kelly, yeah, yeah, I saw you in the hallway and I didn't recognize you. <laughs> because usually you wear bib overhauls when you were down on the farm. Yep, not on the farm anymore. Yeah, so now you're a suburban. No, 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 no. We're at, we're still out in the country. We just don't have as big a yard. <laughs> uh, our property now is more woods. So we back up against the woods. There are woods that kind of wrap around the house. The street is pretty close to the house, but it's not real busy. And across the street is woods. So we've moved from kind of the prairie to the woods. Wow. Yes. So still, it's still it's still pretty rural out there. It's I very mean, your, quiet. Your outfit is very different than that bib overalls you used yeah, to Yeah, I know. Time. Well, uh, it's it's a nicer home, so I, I, I told Sue the other day, I'm going to have to dress up to take the trash out. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it. It looks like you did. And even yes. to come work, to work. I'm trying. Trying well, to, you know. So it sounds like you're having a good time. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful home. Tough. Getting used to it. Got some things to get used to and got to work on keeping the, the raccoons out of the bird feeder. Oh, man, that family just walk up like they own it. Hey, get out of there. I'll yell at them, and they look at me. What are you yelling at? We live here. It's like, well, okay, you kind of do. Right. We kind of did move into your neighborhood. Exactly. Doesn't mean I have to like it, though. They are cute, though. They are they're cute. Uh, but they're they're like, you know, as long as they're on somebody else's yard, they're cute. Right. <laughs> well, great. Good to see you. Hey, thanks, Mike. It is Saturday morning, and we get together and have a discussion about what's impacting your yard. And uh, like Brian, that's the raccoons. He's after those raccoons. And uh, front yard, backyard, side yard, especially garden space. How are those houseplants doing? Tropicals. Oh, and what should you do? Do you need to put them in a different kind of pot, bigger pot, littler pot? What do you need to think about? How to improve your soil and your landscape in your yard? How do you improve your soil underneath your lawn so you can get a lawn that can handle three weeks of no rainfall if you haven't been watering? Shearing and pruning, diseases, bugs, 
uh, the information I'll share with you uh, hopefully will help you to solidify your options with that final judgment of the action you're going to take. It's going to be on your shoulders. By the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is James. He's producing. So when you do call, he answers the phone. He also pushes all the buttons. So all I have to do is stand here and blah, 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 jabber away. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you like. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and uh, my homepage will have an email address and phone number where you can contact me for a walk and talk. And today, after the show, I'm headed to town and country. Or maybe it's town and country, Chesterfields. No, it is town and country because it's 63131. Anyway, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. A partly cloudy sky accentuates the sunrise. Birds cheer. Hooray! It's a new day. And here at the corner of Arthur and Hampton, a very significant, well-known, and well-liked situation has come to an end. Bears Garden Shop, 81 years old. So that means it started in 1941. They're finally retiring, closing on June 30th. And uh, there was, while I was there, it was about a quarter after six or so, uh, pallets of sod still being delivered from Emerald View Turf Farms. And uh, on the north building of the complex, Bears Garden Center, there's still lots of, uh, guess what, water features, unique water features inside the building. So if you're looking for something to make some nice quality sound in your landscape, there's some great water features out there. Outside, there's some woody plants and aquatic plants as well, Bags of peat moss and other bags of other things as well. Across the street, across Arthur, uh, the main building uh, still had lots of plants, so it's almost like you're floating in color. It's really nice. It's uh, Even though things are really shrinking down, because uh, June 30th is not that far away, it's uh, still, there's plenty of color around. So if you need some color for your landscape or for your house plants or things like that, why not head to you know, Bear's Garden Center? Uh, there's decorations inside as well, and garden essentials, you know, chemicals and things like that. They have the house plants and tropicals inside also. Outdoors, underneath a huge, I mean huge, massive oak on the backside of the building. There's still some ground covers. There are some strawberry jars, ceramic pots, terracotta pots as well, statuary, bird baths. Oh, it was 7 o'clock. And it started raining. I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, you know, so it's a little difficult to write on paper with a pen when it's raining. So I went to the car for a little bit. But also there's still many shrubs and trees. A lot of them are still in bloom. So it's just really quite a situation that after 81 years, Bears Garden Center is closing. And when when I first got there, a lady was walking uh, by and uh, she started talking to me, and I explained to her what I was doing. And she said, oh, I just live right across the street here on Arthur, kind of diagonal. And uh, her name is Diane Waller. And so we just kind of had a conversation, and she 
known the Bears for a long time. She because I mean she only lived like one block, not one block, one house away from this place, and it's just you know just extremely unique. And so we've you know kind of ended our conversation, and she headed towards uh, her house. And then a couple minutes later, here she comes back, and she's bringing a pot. <laughs> and uh, it's a pot with sedum plants, and they looked a little dry, and she was asking me, how much should I water these? So here I am. I'm giving advice while I'm doing the good gardening stroll. Also, they do have a night watchman. His name's Gino, and Gino is the third generation of his family that have worked for Bears Garden Center. And he not only is a night watchman, but also he waters the plants early in the morning. So he was out there. So it was really kind of a unique circumstance for me to see Bears Garden Center. And Bears Garden Center was important to me from the standpoint my Aunt Cleo and Uncle Ernest lived on Hancock, just around the corner from Bears Garden Center. And they, for decades, bought plants from Ron, you know, Ron Bear and... Just all the staff there, they were excellent gardeners, had a beautiful zoysia lawn. They had the biggest tomatoes that I've really ever seen. And also, when I came back from California in 1978, Aunt Cleo bought me a plant from Bears. It's a kaffir lily, K-A-F-F-I-R, kaffir lily, or clivia. And consequently, I still have that plant. It. I've given lots of divisions away and everything else. It's a great one. I It grows outside in California, so I knew it very well. And consequently, what I do is I have to bring it inside in the wintertime and put it under grow lights in the basement. But every May, it has orange flowers, and they are just absolutely striking. So I have a little bit of history from 1978 with from Bears Garden Center. And also prior to that, when we go to visit Aunt Cleo, a lot of times we just walk up to Bears because it was, you know, someplace close by and just look around and all that other stuff. So anyway, it's sad to see that a place is going to be gone in just a few days from now after 81 years. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Live and local, this is St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got phone lines open. If you have questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Rainfall, as I said before, either can lead to root system or plant troubles, making recovery difficult if there is not enough rain or if there is too much rain. And so during a period of growth, about one inch of rainfall every seven days is what is most helpful for the plant material, and especially any varieties that have been installed within the last couple of years because they don't have a well-developed root system, so the absorption of the moisture and everything else is a little bit tough. So an inch a week is a, a, ideal, whether it's hand-watering, whether it's sprinkler, irrigation system, it doesn't make any difference. Moisture is crucial for plant material. And especially, the, like I said, the ones that have been installed within the last few weeks. And so extended periods, even if we do have some rainfall of, you know, stronger winds, that dries out the ground. So that can be a, you know, a problem in, its, in and of itself. So I was watering my uh, plant, plants and, and 
plants and containers and plants just in general. Today, after the show, I'm going to be watering the lawn. But uh, I was watering some sedum that I have between the sidewalk and street. And it makes a big difference. Even though sedum is drought tolerant, it can handle it. But if it gets, you know, really dry, especially when, you know, that soil area is very, very hot due to the, you know, the heat of the road and the sidewalk, it's, uh, you know, the sedum just kind of loses a little bit of its color. So that's kind of sad. But anyway, so I did some watering uh, on Wednesday with that. And today I'm going to do watering in the lawn area. So let's uh, have the first caller of the day is going to be Nancy. Nancy, how are you today? I'm fine. Go ahead. Uh, I have uh, azaleas that were sprayed accidentally by um, a lawn care service, and uh, they was it was for they were spraying for broadleaf weeds Uh-oh. and uh, also for grub control. And the lower parts of the azaleas are uh, are well, some, one of them died, and I'm not sure. Can I f- fertilize them? I wouldn't bother because if they're not feeling well, to just put fertilizer there is just going to be kind of a waste of energy and things like that. Now, you could maybe just get some iron sulfate to help you know the soil pH a little bit, but I wouldn't put any fertilizer. In other words, let's say adding something that has nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, or whatever else. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't bother doing that. But something like iron sulfate would right, help. Right. You're basically treating the soil just to keep it you know, more robust and right in line with what the azaleas really want. And because if they're not feeling well, they really don't want to. It's kind of like us. When you're not feeling well, you don't necessarily want a meal, and that's kind of how the plant material are. Okay. Okay. I was wondering. I thought it might do them harm if I fertilized them. Right. So now okay. did this this uh, this lawn service that did this, are they going to compensate you? I haven't um I haven't talked to him about it yet. Oh, I would certainly, you know, tell him that. Uh, Let him know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hopefully you were the only person it happened to. And I'm sorry it happened to you. But, you know, if they're not being conscious while they're doing some spraying, that's not a good sign. No, it's not. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Chuck's yard. Hi, Chuck. Hello. Hi. Good morning. I I got a problem with uh, our ground cover ivy. Seems to me that the birds or something are dropping poison ivy seeds, and the poison ivy is really grown up in with the ground cover ivy. So my question is, can I spray something like uh, um, Roundup for poison ivy, but will it kill the rest of the ground cover, or is there something better to use? There's nothing that's going to be selective enough to pick out the ivy, poison ivy, versus a ground cover ivy. So you got a real disaster. Oh, boy. <laughs> so what is a good solution, then? Uh, don't look at it. Don't go out there if you're allergic to poison ivy. There's not, I mean, basically what you can do is, if you're not highly allergic to it, is pull the let's say the poison ivy up, put some newspaper underneath underneath it between that and the ground cover ivy, and then spray the uh, the poison ivy with an herbicide that will kill it. But it's okay. that's tough stuff to kill, so just realize that. Probably I wouldn't, rather than newspaper underneath the poison ivy, I'd probably use cardboard, like a cardboard box, 
just making sure that none of the spray gets, uh, you know, drifts onto the ground cover ivy that you're trying to save. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I love your show. Thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. And I don't know how well established this, you know, the poison ivy is, but it is a difficult weed, you know, besides making people itch and everything else, difficult to control, even in a circumstance that's not as difficult as yours. So good luck with that. If I sprayed the whole thing and let it kill the ground cover also, what do I have to do? Let it all die and then rip all of that stuff out and plant something new? Right. If you're using a herbicide like a Roundup, basically it you know, goes down through the vascular system, kills the root system, but it's then you're going to end up with just a, I don't know how big this space is, but just a big open area, and it's going to take probably a lot of plant material plus several years before you're going to get it you know, get the ground cover or whatever you're using for, uh, uh, you know, ivy or whatever to fill into that, fill that space in. Okay. Thank you very much for your show. Sure. Well, thank you. And now let's go over to Rosemary's. Hi, Rosemary. Hi, Mike. I have some mums that are starting to bloom. What did I do wrong? You didn't pinch them back enough. How do you pinch them? You're pinching the buds? Uh, basically, you're pinching the leaves when they're pretty. When they first come up and start growing, I'm assuming these are perennial mums that are in your landscape. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So when they get about uh, four inches high, you should pinch about two inches off that. And then when they get six oh. inches high, two inches off. So you do you that do about. You, you got to do it every couple, basically about once every three or four weeks. Oh, you're doing the leaves. Yes. Okay. Now there's one that isn't. It's got little tiny buds on it. It's probably too late, though, now. Well, I mean, you can still pinch the flowers off, but it, what you're doing by doing that is you're making the mum plant much bushier, so consequently, ultimately, when they do go to flower, you're going to have a lot more flowers on them because you have a lot more stems because you've been pinching them back. Okay, okay, but do the leaves. Right. I, I didn't know what I was pinching <laughs> <laughs> or what I was supposed to pinch. Because I'll tell you what, if you pinch the flower buds off now, you probably are not, you're not going to have any flowers in the fall, and then you're not going to have any you know, flowers. Because historically or normally, this particular plant is a summer bloomer. And we as oh, people, it is. Oh. Yes, and we as people, we've learned a trick to make it so they flower later in the season because that's a time when there's not all that much flowering. So consequently, we've altered it by physically... I don't want to say damaging, but physically doing something to it. But other than that, it, they would just normally bloom in the summertime, and then when fall came around, they're already finished. Oh, see, I was going to ask you if there's a difference between the summer and, and fall months, but I see what you're saying. Right. They've altered it. Yeah. They have just altered it. Yeah, they're okay, all the so same. I'll know. Yeah. I'll know for next year, I guess. Right. And there's another question. You talk about Roundup, and I thought that was something to avoid. But when I hear you talk about it, so you think it's okay to use Roundup? Well, I, I know there's lots of lawsuits and things like that about people that have used Roundup and gotten cancer. But I'm always curious on the people that have gotten cancer from it. Out of all the number of people that use it, I've been using Roundup since, the, since I worked at the Botanical Garden in the late 70s and early 80s. And I've used it, you know, I don't 
You know, I'm very cautious. I follow the label and everything else. Uh And so consequently, I have to think that the people, maybe I'm completely wrong, they just weren't really being conscious and cautious enough. And so consequently, that's where the, you know, potentially the problem came from. Okay, I thought if you're talking about it, then it must be okay to you. Well, I mean, uh, it's okay for me. I'm, you know, I've been happy with it. Yeah, you've been uh, using it, yeah. Right. More than most people, so let's say. But, uh, well, good. I'm glad you cleared that up. That that makes me feel good. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you very much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. If you do have any questions, concerns, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is Cardinals Radio. It's the Cards and Cubs this afternoon. Amron pregame show 1220. First pitch 115 on KMOX and streaming on KMOX.com. How's your yard doing, folks? If you have a cool season lawn, fescues or bluegrasses, definitely do not fertilize them during the summertime. Don't do that. If you have a zoysia or, you know, warm season grass, you do fertilize You do fertilize during the summertime. The other one, you can really cause distress on the cool season lawns if you fertilize during the heat of the summer because they hate summer anyway, and you're forcing them to do stuff that they don't want to do, and it's going to make them even worse looking. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Yes, sir. I've got a question for you. Most most people in here are calling trying to figure out how to get rid of pests. I'm actually looking for some. And I was curious if something has changed in the environment. And that what I'm talking about is the catalpa tree, or also known as the lady cigar tree. Sure. They used to get the little yellow and black worms on them called catalpa worms. And I have got about 75 or 100 trees scattered out in different geographic 
areas, some in the city, some rural, you know, some semi-rural. Has something changed in the environment that we no longer get catalpa worms? Not that I'm familiar with. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but uh, it's nothing I've been informed of or anything else. So, you know, why? How come you're just the simple fact that they're gone? Is that what uh, you know is your concern, rather than like they're very important for the tree because it you know it ha- they helps pollinate or it eats of leaves or whatever it happens to be? I don't know you know what that actually Catawba worm does. Well, I. I'm looking for them when I was younger. Uh, they were plentiful. Just about every uh, catalpa tree you went near, you could get some. They're an excellent bait for catfishing. Oh, really? Oh. And, and now that I'm to the point where I really got time to fish again, the last two summers I have spent from May when they used to show up until August trying to locate some on these 75 to 100 trees, and I have not found one worm in two years. I'll tell you what, try the Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot, M-O-B-O-T dot org, and see what they say about it. All righty. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, I'm Thank sorry. You. I'm not, you know, not that familiar with, I mean, catalpa trees are all over the place, and they're in full bloom and everything else, and, you know, then the cigar, lady cigars start forming, but, uh, you know, I didn't know that, uh, you know, there was a specific worm that was good for fishing, so... Shows you, I don't know to all of everything no, by any means. So thanks, Craig. And now let's go over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. Got Hi. a question. Irises, can I cut them back? As far as the foliage goes? Uh, yeah. The no. They don't bloom. Yeah, they finish blooming, but leave the leaves because that helps build them up for the strength for flowering next year. So until the leaves start turning, discoloring, Going away from the green to kind of a, a tannish look, don't cut them back. So you're talking about probably with the iris, uh, mid to late or, or August, early September is when you want to cut them back. Don't do it now. Okie dokie. We were just curious because they start to get brown tips on them and that they're thicker and all get out. Yeah. So the you know basically brown tip doesn't mean a whole lot. It's when the whole leaf, because until the whole leaf starts discoloring losing the green, it's still going to be making food. It's helping the tubers, and then that enables better flowering, you know, for the future. All right, then we'll just let them uh, water them, leave them alone. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, certain certain varieties, some of them, uh, the fans will keep going, but after, you know, X amount of years, they stop flowering, and you only have the foliage, but uh, that's kind of just sort of reality of the circumstance. But anyway, thanks, Bob. And now let's go over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Very good. What is that uh, weed that's a grass that has the, you can pull it and pull it forever, but it still comes back because it's got like a nut? Is that nut sedge? Yes, right. And you have to have a specific thing for that, I remember you saying. Right. You. I mean, it'll say it's a nut sedge killer uh, you know, or nutgrass killer, and it says okay. it specifically on it. And you can spray it if you've got the nutgrass coming up in regular lawn or in perennials or things like that. It only affects the nutgrass. It doesn't affect any other plant material. Okay. Except that then, every time I say that, I also okay. want to make sure that everybody realizes 
read the label because with these hot temperatures, a lot of times if it's not supposed to affect you know, a particular plant, if it's, let's say, above the level that they say to use it, then there could be some damage to the plants other than the nuts that you're trying to kill. Well, whatever happens, happens. Then I'll probably get some other weeds. <laughs> it's out in the garden anyway. And it's it's kind of everywhere around here. Oh, definitely. My yard or, well, I ain't worried about the yard because they can mow that. And it's green. But uh, the second thing I need to know about is my rhubarb looks like somebody poured hot water or burned it. And it's really I've watered it. Should I water it about every day or two or three? No. It seemed I, to improve it. Well, I mean, you know, keep it. You just have to watch out with the rhubarb that you don't overwater. If you've got really well-drained soil, then you could be, you know, going yeah. ahead and doing more watering. But it's just the result of, you know, like I said, we've had three weeks. I don't know if you've been watering for the last three or four yeah. weeks. But consequently. Yeah, off and on. Yeah. But, uh I mean, the, the plant material, basically, you know, things like rhubarb, anything that's perennial needs, especially the herbaceous perennials, need a, you know, at least an inch of water a week. And so early okay. in the spring, we had it so much. It was so wonderful. And it was early. You know, and now it's like, ooh. But it, but it should rally back if I keep it because it's, it's done this before. Right. Okay. Yeah, you sh- it should be okay. Well, I hope. <laughs> I, I, I remember my, I remember my dad and my grandpa had all kinds of rhubarb. Looks like you were out in a weed weed field, you know, big stalks and all that. And I remember eating it raw as a kid. But man, this this rhubarb here's really been struggling. How long you've had it? I've had it three years. Oh, or four. Yeah, it's still. I mean. It's still fairly young as far as being well-established and being so. But anyway, yeah, Tracy, my wife, loves rhubarb pies. and I want <sighs> to find somebody that makes one. <laughs> my, grandma was the, that was, my grandma was an expert on that and rhubarb pudding and rhubarb cobblers. So. Oh, you're kidding. Wow. Well, she was born in 18, 1886, so, you know, my grandparents were like great-grandparents. So. <laughs> Well, good luck with that. Well, okay, and thank you for all your information. And, and it's a shame that a lot of these independent, luckily in Mount Vernon there's one we still have, but it's a shame all these independent nurseries and stuff are going out. Right. Yeah, after like 81 years, that's just kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Mike. Sure. Have a good day. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's they're just more much more fun than the big box circumstances and things like that. It's just uh there's personality there and when you go to the big box places there is no personality. Yes, there's plant material, yes there are let's say fertilizers or whatever you're going there for, but uh boy, it's just it's just not the same kind of experience. So okay, Bill, I'll see you and uh now let's go over to Mix Yard. Hi Mick. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question about, uh, I'm, I'm going to call them road lilies. These, a patch of, uh, these lilies like you see growing down the roads, the wild stuff, the orange ones. Right. The day lilies? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got a, a, a large patch of those. 
that have been there in the ground for quite a while. Uh, but this year, they started dying from, like, the bottom up. The, the roots, the, the crown, all that has turned brown. Ooh. They're, they're dying. And on top of that, about six feet away, I've got uh, a patch of uh, uh, lily of the valley. There's a part of those that have started doing the same thing. They're right in line with each other, but there's like a six-foot gap in between them. You can't figure this one out. The only thing I can think of is those both those plants, first of all, the daylilies and the lily of the valley, generally the lily of the valley likes to have a more shaded environment where the daylilies would prefer a more sunny environment. But that said, yeah. the only thing I can think is early in the year when we had all that exceptional amount of rainfall, it damaged the root systems then, but they still had the crown, still had the energy to push the foliage out and maybe even yeah. some flowers. But, uh, yeah. you know, that might be what the circumstance is. They look good early on, and they these are real late. Uh, as far as the stocks go, there's some stocks in there that haven't bloomed yet. Um, let me add this to that. Okay. Uh, um, underground, my gas line, water line, and sewer line are all running in that same direction mm. close. Close, if not right under part of it. You think I should maybe call the gas company and see if something's going? I mean, my my bill isn't any bigger or anything, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it wouldn't hurt, but I, you know, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. But you may be exactly right. So I find out how deep the you know the gas line is, how deep all these lines are, and everything else, and then you know yeah. have them come out. I don't know. You know, if they have some kind of sensor that smells gas fumes or whatever. So, uh, but it wouldn't hurt to give them a call to see what they say. I think I'll, I think I'll do that just right. out of uh, precaution. Also, a, a quick comment on that guy that's looking for those uh, caterpillars or worms. Right, from the catalpa tree. Yeah, we've got in, in another part of our yard a, a really large pollinating garden, milkweed. Bee bomb, but I mean it's it's loaded, it's blooming. We don't see nearly the amount of bees we should be seeing. Right. We have five hummingbird feeders going. We have, and usually they're all busy. This year, there may be one or two hummingbirds, even with all those blooms and all that going on, and five hummingbird feeders. Gee whiz! Butterflies, butterflies are few and far between. We're just not seeing this stuff anymore. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm seeing much, you know, a lot less bees and even uh, lightning bugs in the evening. I, you know, we live in South City there across the yeah. street from a park. We used to see a lot of them. And now, you know, two or three a night is about all we're seeing. So there's got to be yeah. some kind of impact. Yeah, I wonder if uh, I don't think they run that mosquito fogger up and down the road anymore like they used. Yeah, I don't think so either. Something's, something's definitely going on with them, though. So something has to be 
killing these. Right. They're just not plenty of birds and other stuff. Right. All right. Well, well thanks, Mick. And, thank you, uh, and uh, thanks, thanks for your advice. Sure, my pleasure. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Rock on. Let's go over to Kathy's yard and see what's happening. Hi, Kathy. Good morning, Mike. Thanks so much for your service. I have an irrigation system that goes off at 4 o'clock in the morning on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays for 30 minutes. Uh, It also waters my flower beds, which is a big help to me. In this extreme heat, would it hurt the grass if I run it every morning? Uh, Basically, what you should do is probably put a jar out there and run it at the times that you normally are and just find out how much in that time period that you're running it that you, you know how much water is actually getting onto the ground, and that way you can kind of make the adjustment if you need to, uh, according to how much water, let's say running for a half hour every other day, or running for that you need to run it for a half hour every day, or whatever it happens to be. Okay. All right. Real good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, it. So, in other words, just a glass or anything, and again, you want an inch of water per week. So. It, you may be getting enough, and doing the additional watering is not going to make that much difference, but this way you can find out how much water you're getting. Okay, but uh, if I would overwater the grass, would that hurt it in this heat? Yes, definitely. You can get fungus okay. problems and all kinds of things as a result of overwatering. Okay, all right, real good. Okay, well, thanks so much. Oh, one question for you. Do you have a cool season lawn or a warm season lawn? you have fescue or bluegrass? It's a combination of the two. Okay. So if it's a combination of the two cool season lawns, then definitely overwatering can cause you know fungus problems for it. Generally, the, okay. the zoysia is not going to be impacted by overwatering in the heat of the summer. Okay, great. Okay, well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Sure. Let's head over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. My call. Hi. Morning. I'd like to ask you a question about my apple trees. I have four apple trees. Two of them have the apple cedar rust really bad. Can I save those? You can save them, but what you're going to have to do is next year, just as a as the foliage starts coming out, you're going to have to start spraying a fungicide. Would you suggest uh, a product? Well, I would say go to your favorite garden center and see what they have for cedar apple rust. Awesome. And, but this year is not nothing new. Should no, you got you got to get it before it really starts impacting the foliage because the foliage really starts, you know, heading downhill. And to spray it now really is not going to prevent it. It's not going to make it any worse. So you got to you, what you want to do is stop. And what the you know in the springtime you're going to spray when the foliage first starts coming out. Then you're going to spray it at a sequence according to the particular product that you get. Three or so four. Applic- I have four trees. I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, the application is going to be according to uh, what the label says on the product that you're using. Yes, sir. I have four trees. Two of them are badly infected, and two of them aren't. Any input on that one? Uh, basically, if they're not affected now, then there's not going to be a, an infection happening. It only happens in the early spring. 
So consequently, some varieties of apples, whether they're crab apples, real apples, or anything else, are more resistant to the cedar apple rust than other varieties. There you go. Um, so should I spray the unaffected ones next spring? Uh, I would probably, as a cautionary type thing, you never know, but uh, you might try to skip it and see what happens. And then in the future, you can always, you know, start spraying, spraying after that point. So what effect does the fungicide have on the pollinators, my bees? Uh, well, I mean, it's basically when they're, you know, you're spraying the fungicide, there are no bees or anything else around. So, I mean, it's a different, you know, different time of year. Right. So after it, uh, before it blooms, but after it sets leaves, right? Right, exactly. As it's setting leaves, that whole right. sequence of leaf set. Yeah, all righty. Hey, thank you for your uh, input. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank sure. You for your time. My pleasure. And Kelly and Joan, you're going to have to hold on till after the news because we're just about out of time. And uh, I'll tell you what, the weeds are really taken off because they don't, I mean, they're tough stuff. So dry weather, they don't care. The thing I'm finding most in my yard in bed spaces is spurge. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we'll be giving you a tip of the trial shortly, but uh, right now you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, 
Mr. Kelly, one of the callers that I had last hour, mm-hmm. he was saying that there had historically they had more hummingbirds at this time of year. Yeah, and he's saying they're having very few. How about huh. your hummingbird? population at the old house uh we had pretty many uh and i'm still there a little bit so i'm going to go over maybe later today and check it out but we had we had a decent amount the the big rush hadn't really come yet like later in the summer we would have maybe you know a dozen like a couple dozen maybe uh we haven't gotten to that point yet but they seem to be maybe a little slower than usual mm. i would say yeah but uh, but we had a pretty good amount uh when when we moved last week right i so. i can't remember what his phone number was cuz a lot of times you can just see the area code right. to see if he was from illinois and just because he would be from illinois doesn't mean anything you know in right. relationship to that but uh i was just curious how your hummingbird population was going it was picking up pretty good, good. uh maybe a little behind pace but picking up a little bit at the new place we've only had a few but i haven't been there i've been there a week so they're right. not you know, they don't even know that you're there. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't gone out and waved at them yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, great. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, folks. And uh, the tip of the trial. By the way, thanks for having me on your show. We're going to discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all arounds, uh, annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success. Across the big board, that's James. He's answering the phone and producing today. Uh, During the week and weekends, too, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, mikemillerdesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And today, after the show, town and country is where I'm headed. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for an individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial just goes out to everyone who's just enjoying the outdoors and enjoying plant material. I walk through the neighborhoods once early in the morning, and then in the afternoon I take a much longer walk. And some of the spectacular plantings, I know, you know some of them are seasonal, yes, and the ones that aren't seasonal, but, I mean, some people have really put some neat combinations of plant material together. And uh, it's, it makes them, the walking is, you know, I'm walking for, let's say, my health, but also I'm walking for my mental health just to look at all the different things that people are doing and how creative they are and, uh, you know, how they're having such great success with certain plant materials and other ones uh, are having success you know, just a few houses away with almost entirely different type of plants. So it's just that type of thing just makes, you know, my li- my liking and loving of the outdoors much more rewarding as I take my walk. So a tip of the trial goes out to everyone who spends some time and energy, you know, making their, whether it's their lawn, even a, a nice looking lawn is, you know, good. And, uh, you know, or combination of perennials and annuals, trees and shrubs and everything else. So... Thanks to you, and a tip of the trial goes out to you. So let's head over to Kelly's yard. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Um, Got a question for you. My daughter bought a house late last summer, and um, there's some kind of a a viney plant that was running through her landscaping around her garage. It even got into the inside of the garage a little bit. Um, When you pull it, it smells like mint, but the roots underneath the ground are just really hard to get rid of they're probably as big around as a pencil um and we've 
pulled it out of there as much as we could a couple times. It just keeps coming back. Um, do you know what it might be or what we could do to get rid of it permanently? Uh, probably if you're trying to get rid of it permanently, you know, as much as I you, you don't want to hear this, you might try a weeby gone to see if you can get, you know, get it knocked down. You want to kill it all the way down through the root system, you're going to have to get a systemic type herbicide. So systemic being Roundup, or there's other ones that are systemics as well. Okay, and she does, we cleaned out, we got rid of a lot of stuff that was in there, but she did leave a few things. So as long as we don't get the Roundup on those plants in particular, they should be okay. Is that right? Right, exactly. So in other words, Roundup deactivates, you know, when it hits the ground, it deactivates once it gets absorbed by the plant that you're, you know, targeting. It's only absorbed into that plant, and it doesn't let anything out from the root system into the soil, surrounding soils, or anything like that. And as far as specifically what this is, it's a little tough because uh, a vine that smells like mint, hmm, that's, uh, you know. Well, I mean, it's when it gets up above the ground, it's leafy. I mean, it's kind of a dark green color, and it's the leaves are kind of long and skinny. Um, but, yeah, as soon as you pull it, it, it smells like mint or spearmint, something like that. So is so. this... Is this an evergreen vine or weed or whatever you want to call it? Um, or does it disappear in the wintertime? Honestly, I don't know. She bought it late last summer, and okay. I wasn't down there a lot around the garage. You know, it was cold, so I, I couldn't say for sure. But I will say I think the stuff that was had kind of creeped into the garage, I think that we tried to get rid of a lot of it, but I think some of that kind of stuck around all winter. Okay. Oh. So, yeah, that's, you know, can't come up with anything, uh, you know, even a guess. Okay. All right. So should we try to put the Roundup on those, like on the roots that are under the ground or just wait till a little bit of it pops up above the ground? Yeah, or? I would just go after it above the ground because trying to get it down onto the root system, it's got to be absorbed through the stems slash leaves to get down into the roots. So in other words, you oh, can't okay. just mix up some uh, Roundup in a bucket and pour it down onto the root system. It won't absorb it. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Joan's yard. Hi, Joan. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I hear everybody talking about things uh, died, the birds, the bees. Would somebody please tell me why the moles don't die? <laughs> I tell you, my yard is a mess. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes the things that are really problematic, they just don't seem to be impacted by very much at all. But if you have a lot of moles in your yard, that means you have a nice yard. So, in other oh, words, you should see my yard. It's, it's trying to come back. I had a huge oak tree in the front yard that I finally had trimmed down, really trimmed down. The only thing I did get this year was a little sapling, the oak trees that I usually get, because the yard is just weed. It's terrible. <laughs> but with my, we've uh, fertilized, started fertilizing of that. Little bees, little bit of uh, grass starting to come up. But by golly, what what was there? The moles have killed. The, well, the moles are only there because you've got earthworms in your yard. You only have earthworms because you have a nice yard. So, <laughs> as much as you think it's horrible, the moles know. I mean, that's their main diet. So, if there was no uh, no earthworms in your yard, you wouldn't have any moles. Mm. How do I get rid of <laughs> Basically, the best thing, you know, that I, you know, there's several different things. Traps, 
or you can get the, you know, there's actually a type of, let's say, fake worm that you can buy that's poisonous. And tried you, it. And you've, you said you've tried them? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you have to stay on top of it consistently. So in other words, if you have a nice yard and you got X amount of moles in there, if you kill off one or if one migrates away, then another one's going to move back in. Into yeah, you kill one, it doesn't come to its funeral. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, maybe get a professional service to come out and take a look. Well, I've, I've tried to, but it seems like everybody's so busy that they, I, I talked to one yesterday who doesn't want to come out until July. Ooh. Yeah. Well, that's only a couple of weeks or a week or something. <laughs> well, when you get three or four holes every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. So, um, okay, the uh, mound of dirt, and you uh, uh, take a rake or something and get get away from, you know, loosen the dirt, spread it around, and find where the hole is and stick that cone down from them uh, poison peanuts. Stick that cone down in there into the hole, and you throw some peanuts in there, uh, you know, the little pellets. They call them peanuts, but right. they look like pellets. And then put the uh, dirt on top of it and, and uh, stomp it down. Yeah. <laughs> we need Superman over here to be able to look down on the ground to see if, it, see if the moles are getting to it. <laughs> yeah, and maybe just you know just try a different product. You know, but if you're killing them with uh, you know the products you're using, then you just certainly stick with it. I don't know whether they're being killed or not. That's the problem. No. Because when I go out every morning and there, there's two or three more holes. <laughs> well, it sounds like you got a <laughs> real problem. You come miniature golf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a mess. Oh, well, good luck, Joan. Oh, thanks anyway. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. News, talk, sports. The voice of St. Louis, KMOX. One four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Let's head over to Brad's yard. Hi, Brad. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I, I have a a river birch in my front yard, and it's next to a sidewalk, next to a driveway, about twenty feet away from a large pine tree. This river birch goes up about thirty five feet. The pine tree may be about the same, maybe a little more. Anyway, it started to thin on top last year a little bit. I kind of noticed it. And it seems to be thinning even more, kind of like me, actually. Um, but that's another story. So it, it, is there anything that I can do for it right now? Basically not. It's just this is, you know, if it's as large as it is and it's in that close proximity uh, to any uh, any kind of tree, whether it's a pine tree or an oak tree or a deciduous or whatever it happens to be, uh, it's just a factor of, you know, its age plus the setting and everything else, and that's what's happening. So there's just, what, should I consider getting rid of it then? Is that the only option? Well, not necessarily. I mean, just because it's losing leaves at the top, does that mean it's losing all the leaves, so it's just dead stems and twigs and branches up there, or is it just thinning? No, it's actually, there's nothing on those limbs. Okay, so you could have a tree... It's looking unsightly. Yeah, so... Basically, yeah. I mean, it's not going to get probably any better, but it doesn't mean that just because it happened to the point that it is and you've noticed that it's gotten, you know, from one year to the next, 
uh, a little bit more exaggerated as far as the amount of branches that it is losing its foliage. It may be just on the downhill side of its life. Does it? Is there any chance it'll keep going and survive at all, or well, is it I just mean, pretty much, you know, it's a story's over? Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, uh, it could certainly hold on and do as well as it possibly can. It, okay. You know, river birch needs a, you know, a lot of moisture. You guys just have to be careful if you put additional water just to help it, let's say, stay a little bit more vigorous, the root system. You could impact mm-hmm. adversely your pine tree root system. Oh, pine tree doesn't take that water is what you're saying, right? Exactly. Pines don't like water. Oh, okay. Good to know. Okay. Well, thank you for your help, then. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Well, it's River Birch Saturday. Um, good morning. <laughs> so uh, we have an issue. I We have uh, in the corners of our backyard, we have a river birch and a uh, bald cypress right next to each other. Uh, we have them uh, taken care of by an arborist. They're beautiful trees. Um, and just yesterday, I started to notice the trees are, are they're losing their leaves and they're yellow like the color of you know like when it, like it's the fall and i'm wondering is that the heat or we always have our car bald cypresses treated for bagworms in may so mm-hmm. they come out and they spray them and that was they actually did them like in the beginning of june but i know that we had this you know stretch of heat so i'm just kind of curious and then this gentleman calls about his and i'm thinking i don't want to lose them they're the bald cypress, it's swampy back there, or it was, this helps. The bald cypress is probably 45 feet tall, and Ooh. and the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the birch on one side is probably about 40 feet tall, and the ones on the right-hand side are about 10 feet less on each, so they're about 30 feet. And we keep them, you know, we have them serviced every year to look at. So got a backyard full of leaves today. <laughs> Well, I mean, it certainly is probably related to, you know, what's happening this year environmental-wise and everything else. Because it sounds like if you're doing everything exactly as you should, having professionals take a look at it and, you know, treat for potential problems. So there's not too much you can do beyond sort of what you have existing from Mother Nature. So do you think it's related to the heat? Yeah. losing this leaf? Yeah, I mean— you you've had these trees for a while, so you know the river birch right. just starts dropping leaves. Usually, it's more towards midsummer as opposed right. to. I mean, summer just started a couple of days ago. In theory, right, that's why I'm curious. I so, mean, this literally happened overnight. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll have to get a couple bags of uh, leaves picked up over the weekend. <laughs> that's how much is coming. So. Right. So okay. yeah, I have to think that it's just an accelerated amount of leaves dropping because of the weather. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Sounds like you have some great trees. Yeah, I just I got to keep them under control because it's a subdivision, and we have neighbors, so we have to, you know, like with those, oh. the, the one, you got to get those knees cut back. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, with the bald they, cypress. Oh, yeah, so that's that's an ongoing issue, but we kind of stay on top of it. Great. But uh, take care now. Bye-bye. Yep. Thanks, Mary. And let's now go over to Beth's yard. Hi, Beth. Hi, how are you? Good. I have a question, and I'm sure that you've addressed this topic before, but so I've got honeysuckle um, kind of taking over my yard. And every year, you know, I try to cut it down or trim it back, but but the, the base of the of the honeysuckle, the, the 
the diameter is is huge and it just comes back every year and now it is everywhere and i just i don't know how to get rid of it just cutting it off is not going to kill it honeysuckle is so tough you cut it off the root system still stays viable and it's going to send up you know suckers again in the same spot so you're going to have to, i don't know how much, how big your yard is how much honeysuckle you have but uh, using an herbicide for killing woody plants is one option the other option is to actually dig up the entire root system and get rid of them that way. Okay. Well, that sounds like an easy job. All right. Great. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah, make sure that if you do try to go after it with an herbicide, if you've got some with a big trunk, you can cut the trunk off and leave about two feet above the ground of the bigger trunks and then take, mm-hmm. the, take the herbicide and paint it right onto that open wound uh, right after you make the cut, and make the cut at a 45-degree angle so there's more exposure so it can absorb more of the herbicide. So then okay. with probably a two or three days in a row, just add herbicides to that, you know, to the new cut. Is there a, a special kind of herbicide to, to use with it? or Well, r- Roundup for killing uh, poison ivy and woody plants is, the to be okay. honest, the best. Great. Perfect. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Alma's. Hi, Alma. Hi, Mike. Hi. I I have a question. We have some uh, evergreen shrubs decorating the one side of our house, and I wanted to know when would be the right time to trim them. Are they broadleaf evergreens, or do they have needles? Needles. Okay, so needle. You don't want to prune in the heat of the summertime. So sometime after we hit, uh, let's say, mid-September all the way up till Thanksgiving, that's the time I'd probably do the pruning. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, because if you prune now, then what you're going to do is expose some of the needles that have been shaded by the what's been cut off, and then consequently you could get some sunburn on those, and it's, you know aesthetically could make them look a little bit rough. So. Anyway, well, they're beginning to get sprouts, uh, new shoots coming out. Okay. And, so, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And sounds like they're healthy, though, so you're getting some good active growth. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Find out what's happening with your Redbirds from the manager himself, Oliver Marmel. Sundays at 10.15 on Sports Open Line. And Wednesday mornings at 9.50. The Ollie Marmel Show. I'm excited for not only the club, but for the fans. This is a, this is a special year for sure. On King MOX. Back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Pat's yard. Hi, Pat. Good morning. I have one really, really quick question. I have uh, four burning bushes, 
and they are growing like weeds this year. When can I trim them back? Uh, basically, you, you're growing them because you like the fall color, my I assumption. Do. And because they're easy to grow and they're tough and durable and everything else. So if you want to, I would just leave them alone until you get the fall color and then do the pruning right after they start dropping their leaves in the fall. If you don't really care about the amount of leaves, I don't want to, I just don't like to do any kind of pruning on anything in the heat of the summertime. So So wait until we get a little bit more of a a reasonable temperature. Yeah, exactly. So mid-August, you know, to late August, that would be the, you know, the time that the door would be open. Okay, because I mean they are—they have grown like an explosion this year. It's <laughs> unbelievable. So, okay, thank you very much. That answers my question. Sure. And now from Patchyard, let's go over to Gloria's. Hi, Gloria. How you doing? Good morning. Good. Uh, what I'm asking, I mean, uh, do I have to? Uh, I got a big yard, like the. Uh, I'm trying to figure out: Do you have to water your flowers every day? No, no, not every day. Just water them so you get them well watered, and then do it every few days. You know, that should be adequate. Are we talking also, are these annuals or are these perennial plants? No, some of them are perennial. I ain't worried about them. It's just the annual that I got the whole flower bed. And the hydrangeas, when I, they get, they, when I, they uh, seem like if they don't get no water, they just drip down. Well, if you flowers. start, you can, you can wait until you start to see them dro- you know, droop. And rather than anticipate, because if you water too much, that's going to cause more problems than underwatering. So if you, it sounds like you're watching your plant material pretty closely. So if you see any kind of wilting at all, definitely water them at that point. But don't water every day. Okay, what about my um, tomato plants? Tomato plants? Yeah, they, uh, they don't need watering every day, but they need to, when you do water... Make sure you water very well because tomatoes need a lot of moisture, just like they need a lot of tomato food. Yeah, I got tomato food, like you said last time. Perfect. I was just trying to figure out because they look dry. When I go out there every day, the top look dry. So I do water them every day, though. Well, I mean, the wil- there could be a slight amount of wilting due to the sort of the dry air and everything and the heat. But if they're perked back up in the morning— then that says that they do have adequate moisture. They're just wilting down just because of the heat of that particular afternoon or evening. So some of my tomatoes is light green and some of them is dark green. So what's the difference? Just probably variety-wise, I would think. Uh, okay. Okay. I'll let you go. All right. But thank you for your help. Sure. Thanks, Gloria. And now let's go over to Denny's yard. Hi, Denny. Hey, Mike. How are you doing today? Very good. Hey, uh, I've got some calla lilies and uh, in in uh, containers, uh, like twelve inch clay pot uh, containers. Take them in every uh, fall. Uh, I'm wondering, do I need to separate those uh, at some point? Not necessarily. I mean, uh, I'm assuming you don't have stems all the way to filling up the the pot, so you don't have to divide them. A lot of people want to divide them because they want to give some away or they want to do this or they want to uh-huh. just have a larger population of pots with you know, the catalogs or whatever it happens to be. So, no, you just you don't have to do it. If they look healthy and everything looks good. Oh, yeah, they look and, great. Yeah, they look really, really good. They're, they're just uh, filling up that, uh, that pot. And 
I'm just wondering if I need to separate them and kind of thin it down a little bit for next year. But no, I would say uh, leave them alone. If if it gets really, you know, let's say obviously you know overly crowded from the stems, then probably pull them, you know, pull them out of the pot and uh, you know do a division and give some of them away or whatever you want to do with them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Appreciate sure. it. My pleasure. And now let's head to Christy's yard. Hi, Christy. Hello, Mike. Hi. Can you, um, good morning. I have a question about tomato plants. Actually, um, I planted two plants right near each other, and my husband built a fence around them, which is about four feet tall, to keep the deer away. Now, these plants are already almost four feet tall. Is there something I can do to control the height? I'm afraid to cut them, to prune them off, that I might hurt them. <laughs> and yet I, the deer are going to get them. You know, uh, they're growing very fast. And, and so I just didn't know if there was some way that I could get them to be bushier without hurting them. Uh, for the most part, you know, that's not, you know, I would say just leave them alone, personally. But now the deer will be eating the tops of them then. Uh, like I say, they're, they're coming right up to the top of the enclosure that right. he made. So you've actually seen deer eating your tomatoes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Every year that I've had them, uh, we've had a, like a six-foot-high fence, and they'll even you know, get up and, and try to get the tops of them there. But this year we, we didn't have that, um, you know, the large uh, fencing around them. Right. Well, what you might try to do is hang a couple bars on the fencing near the top of Irish Spring soap, and that okay. smell repels them and see if that will help. Okay. So it would hurt to, to cut the tops of these off. Yeah. Some, you could kind of mess up the whole growth cycle because you start reducing the amount of leaves, then consequently, you know, the leaves are what makes the food, and, and sure. food, consequently the food that it makes also makes tomatoes for you. Right, right. So that's so. where the trouble would come in. Okay, well, we'll try the soap and see how that works. Great, good <laughs> they, luck. And hopefully they won't enjoy my tomatoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, thank you, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head to Sandy's. Hi, Sandy. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Um, I'm wondering, is there any specific thing that determines... Uh, when a hydrangea blooms and when it doesn't? Well, sometimes location can certainly do it, weather can do it, and variety-wise can do it. So certain varieties of you know, hydrangeas bloom it's, you know, in the spring, some bloom in the early summer, some bloom in the later summer, some bloom all summer long. So the variety-wise is going to make a, you know, somewhat of a difference for sure. I see. Well, my friend had asked me, I've got so many. I had one that been there for years and now this year it's full of flowers and the last few years it hadn't bloomed at all so uh, wow i don't know about that but i got new ones too and they're all blooming and she saw how nice they looked and she said what what did you do i said nothing (laughs) (laughs) well i thought i'd ask you yeah so i mean it's going to be variety wise as much as anything and then you know some of the varieties after X amount of years, an aging process, then they just kind of run out of, let's say, energy to make flowers. They have shrubs and the foliage and everything looks good, but uh, they just don't produce any more flowering. Okay. All right. Well, great. Thanks so much. Sure. My pleasure. 
1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. We're going over to Andrea's yard now. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a quick question. I have knockout rose bushes in my backyard. They've been there about six years. Mm-hmm. And earlier this week, uh, I started or I noticed that on the leaves, there's these little white specks. It just happened. Um, I, like I said, I just noticed it this earlier this week. I touched them. They're not sticky or anything, uh, but I have no idea what this is, but I think it's probably not good. <laughs> it may be scale, S-C-A-L-E. You can go online and see about the scale, and if it is, oh. you can use a, a lightweight horticultural oil and just suffocate them. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, great. And that's and I'm glad. I'm assuming I can get that horticultural oil at a, at any of the garden shops. Should be able to. Yes. Okay. Great. All right. Well, that takes care of it. Thanks. Right. And make sure you get the lightweight one because in summertime, this is if you put regular horticultural oil on it, it could cause some damage to your plants. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I will look for the lightweight. Great. Right. All right. Thank you. Sure. And now mm-hmm. let's see what's going on with Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Hey, how you doing? Good. Hey, I got a question um, about about grass and that. I'm going to probably plant this fall, but what I have is a cleared-off area on top of a bluff and having a pool and a pool house and, of course, all that construction. There's not much grass. But what I want to do is haul in some good river dirt, loads of it, probably at least 10 inches deep and stuff. But my question is, what can I add to that? Am I supposed to add lime before or mix in lime? or And then after that, what? Uh, just a fescue grass or, or what? Yeah, fescue, fescue would probably be the grass that I'd use. But adding lime, just don't do that unless you get a soil test done and it indicates that you're, the soil that you have brought in is acidic. Lime is not something you just normally add to any kind of soil whatsoever. And I'd get you know, a, a blend of compost and a topsoil mix as opposed to okay. just you know one type of soil. That's just going to be more healthy for the lawn in the future. Okay. And, and make sure that you sort of like the area that you're going to lay this you know, debris or sod or, or I'm soil that you're bringing in, you turn that soil underneath, the original soil, to work that up before you lay something on top of it. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And probably, you know, K31 fescue is the toughest, most durable. It's not necessarily the one that everybody loves, but it is by far the toughest. And it sounds like you need a tough, you know, grass for your circumstance. Yeah. It's got some sandy mixture and rocks and stuff. So I've got, and I've been trying to clear the rocks. It seems like every time it rains, the rocks grow as much as they Of course. (laughs) But K31. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. K31 fescue. Thank you, sir. Yep. And now let's see what's going on with Joe. Hi, Joe. Yes. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, I have a uh, unusual uh, inquiry here. I've got some uh, boxwoods along the base foundation at the back of the house, and uh, some of the local rabbits have taken up residence there and have for some time. 
And I noticed the other day when I was trimming the bushes that uh, there was an odor emanating from the bush area, kind of a, a uric uh, acid uh, uh, odor. How can I neutralize that? Whoa, that's a tough one, you know, because I'm, I can't see, you know, I've never really smelled rabbits before, so I don't know if that's what's causing it. Do you have any other kind of wildlife or you have any, you know, pets of yours or can neighbors get no. to these? No, no, just uh, good old plain uh, hungry rabbits that <laughs> like to work on the uh, lower limbs of my, uh, bo- uh, not the boxwoods, but my fire bushes. But I think they've taken up residence underneath the boxwoods, and they're pretty thick. But uh, I thought perhaps if I put some lime underneath there, I didn't know what effect it would have on the boxwoods. It could have an adverse effect because boxwood, like an acidic soil, you're going to be changing that soil to be alkaline, and that could really impact the overall health of your boxwood. I'd say, you know— if you think the rabbits are the problem, just, I mean, get in there. I mean, even if you have to be on your hands and knees and find out where their, you know, where their, let's say, burrow is and then run a hose to that or do something to get rid of them. The odor. Yeah. Okay. So I guess uh, water is the only solution. Well, uh, I mean, it's. Some, trying it's to use a, any. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's going to be the easiest one. Make sure you don't do too much water because you could do some damage to your boxwood that way as well. Mm. Boy, it sounds like a catch-22. You aren't kidding. Okay, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said in the beginning, this is an unusual inquiry. Right. I've never heard anybody on your program ask questions so unusual. And there anyway, are- thank you. Yeah, thank there you for are, your advice. I appreciate it. Sure, and there are you know animal repellents, so you could go to your favorite garden center and tell them you got a rabbit problem, and see if you can you know get something that you can spray or hang or whatever it happens to be. Well, I've tried the uh, deer and rabbit uh, spray, oh, yeah. and that doesn't seem to affect them at all. Okay, <laughs> you got some really <laughs> wild circumstances. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Mike, thank you very much for your service. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. And now let's go over to Emily's yard. Hi, Emily. Hey, Mike. I'm first going to say uh, first-time caller but long-time listener here. Love your show. Um, recently planted some hydrangeas in our yard. Um, we pulled out a bunch of rock. We moved into our house last fall. And the hydrangeas, you know, when we went and bought them, it said about – uh, four to six hours of sunlight a day, and we put them in this area. And, of course, we planted them at the end of May, beginning of June, and we've just had ungodly high heat. And so now my hydrangeas, they almost look sunburnt. I've been watering them, and they're still only getting that amount of sunlight a day. And so my question is, do I cut off those leaves that look so sunburnt? Do I leave them to protect the plant? Um, I've been watering them and giving them some feed, but they just, they look so sunburned. So now you're saying you planted them this year, or are you saying you planted yeah, just, them last year? Just planted them this year in the spring, okay. late spring, and they have just, you know, they, they look so sunburned. Right. So they probably are sunburned, and, you know, the the leaves, when they came out of the nursery, weren't uh, exposed to the, the, you know, this type of sunlight as what they're getting in your yard. I'd say if the leaves are more, let's say, brownish or tan than they are green, 
I would just sort of live with it because they still may be able to produce some chlorophyll, which will help get the root system established, which will help prevent this from happening and happening hopefully in the next, you know, in the future. Okay, so I can still continue, you know, I'm, I'm watering them at, at this point with the heat once a day, giving them feed once a week, and just leave those leaves on, and hopefully we get some cooler weather. Yeah, just watch out about overwatering because that could be, you know, problematic okay. too. Okay, uh, I heard you say earlier about an inch a week. Right. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Mike. Really appreciate all you do and enjoy your show. Well, thank you. And now let's go over to Gretchen's yard. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Mike. Uh, I have a question about my Sweet 100's patio tomato. I have it on my patio in the shade, and uh, I planted it late April. I was expecting to see blossoms, and I gave it plant food, the tiny little bees, about a month ago, and it seems like it's been doing worse since I've uh, given them the plant food. Thank you for your talk about bears. I'm a longtime patron. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, so if you've got them in the shade, you're talking about tomatoes growing in the shade, correct? Well, it's a, it's in my pa- on my patio in a big pot. It's a sweet 100s pa- right. uh, tomato. But is this a shaded area or is this a sunny area? Well, I could put it in the sun, but I was afraid during the 100-degree heat it would hurt it. No, I would say get it out of the shade and put it in the sun. Okay, I'll do that. And I gave it the plant food. I was expecting it to bloom like around, uh, I don't see any blossoms. Are there any problems with the pollinators, with the bees? No, I mean, that's not a problem as far as the flowering goes. The flowering is all related to the plant itself, you know, and tomatoes are pollinated by wind. They're not necessarily pollinated Mm -hmm. by insects. So I should just move it into the sun. Yes, and just make okay, sure that, I'll it, do that yeah, it doesn't get any kind of drought stress, you know, by being okay, in the sun. Maybe I didn't litter it enough, you know, when it was so hot. But anyway, uh, it's a tiny patio tomato. It's not those real big tomatoes. You right. know, I got it in a big pot. So, okay, I thank you. I'll move it into the sun then. Yep. Good luck with that. And get some tomato food because that has the calcium and other nutrients that the tomatoes need. And, Ken, I'm sorry we're not going to be able to get to you uh, today. But uh, thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. And also, there's been several questions related to putting lime on their on your soils and things like that. Before you add any kind of lime or anything really to your soil, get a soil test done. Find out what there is there, pH-wise, nutrient-wise, and everything else. Get a soil test done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.